Hello again. Thank you for listening to this podcast, Chronicles of War. I'm Darren Michael Shaw, the story's author. It's been another amazing week of new subscribers. I've tallied them up and realized that 48 different states and 18 countries are represented among those who've subscribed or are downloading the story. That's incredible to me. Please continue to tell your friends and family. Continue to help me get the word out about this podcast. This week's episode, episode 10, picks up right where we left off the last time. I hope that you're enjoying the story. And now, here's this week's episode, Chronicles of War. Harriet, it doesn't make any sense for you to travel. No one can confirm that Job is actually there. The way to Memphis is likely impassable. In the end, there's nothing you can do for him that physicians are not doing. Now Deacon Wright was agreeing with Parson Wentworth. But Jonas is sure that he's at Adams, Harriet argued. I can at least travel to Memphis. Jonas Sullivan means well, Harriet, but he's a cripple. He cannot get you to Memphis. Will you not listen to reason? Let us wait until we hear something definitive from the Department of War. Harriet massaged her temples and exhaled. Both Parson Wentworth and Deacon Wright had fixed their eyes on her, waiting for an answer. But her silence was prolonged. Lewis burst into the door of their home. From father, he shouted. He held an envelope high over his head as he stumbled in and fell to his mother's feet, completely winded from the run from the mercantile. Mrs. Owen said it just came in. He handed the note to his mother. What does it say, mother, he asked, before she had even had a chance to open it. Harriet noticed right away that the handwriting on the envelope wasn't that of her husband. She feared for what this communication might contain. Would you please excuse me, she begged, standing to leave the room. Lewis scrambled to his feet as if he would follow her. Lewis, please entertain our guests, Harriet directed, and she disappeared down the hallway. Dear Lord, she said under her breath, give me strength. Unsealing the letter, she recognized the greeting, but still not the hand. My dearest heart, how I wish I were not writing you in my present condition. I've asked young John Henderson to take pencil in hand as my hands shake with fever. I can confidently say that I am alive, but I'm not nearly as confident to forecast what the coming days will bring. Harriet was greatly relieved. She read confusion in Job's note, but did manage to catch a glimpse of his humor. At one point he joked that it could no longer be said that he danced as if he had two left feet. He still had the well-being of his homestead on his mind, reminding Harriet to purchase the seed for spring, and she smiled, seeing that John Henderson had struggled to capture Job's ciphering in the note, attempting to calculate for Harriet when the planting should commence. Job ended the note, Please do not trouble our family to make your way here. I will be home soon enough, I suppose. I love you with all my heart. By the time Harriet emerged from the back room, all four of her children had gathered. Your father is doing well, she said, as she handed the note to Nancy and her siblings anxiously pressed together around her. And Parson, my husband, agrees that I should remain here until he comes home. Thank you for your encouragement. She slid back into the chair across from her guests and continued, 
Job is recovering from his wounds and is thinking about the spring planting. She smiled, and the men rejoiced with her. Shall we offer a prayer of thanksgiving, Parson Wentworth suggested. It was such a sickening sound, the rebel horses destroyed by Sherman's artillery. It was as if the shells splashed through their bodies. Job pressed forward with his unit, eventually overtaking the spot where the great animals had fallen, using the carnage and the forsaken artillery sleds for cover. Seven horses were no more. Their blood ran into the ruts left by the sleds and boot marks left behind by the enemy. Things were stilled. There was a lull in the shooting. Up to the left, those rife pits, seal that side, someone yelled. The big gun is silent, somebody else yelled. It's over, boys, still another voice. The group of men around Job peeled off towards the left side. He gathered himself and rose to join them. As the men ran, there was no resistance. Echoes of small arms fire was distant, the right side of the fort, perhaps. They arrived to find the pit abandoned, and then the bright light. The southern casemate. All their attention had been fixed on Fort Hinman's big guns. The smaller guns had been silent for some time. A last gasp from the southern corner of the fort had caught Job and the others in the open. What do you remember, Job? the chaplain asked. Cold mud. Mud? It was on my skin. I had it in my mouth. The mud. The chaplain kept quiet, anticipating that Job might have more to share of his recollections. But he didn't. When he did speak up, he said, I sent Harriet a note. Young Mr. Henderson helped me write it. My hand isn't cooperating. That reminds me. Do you know where my effects are? I've lost my flint, tablet, and journal. I imagine they're gone, Job. If we had them, you'd have them. The chaplain patted Job on the shoulder and rose to leave. Had the chaplain stayed just a little longer, Job might have opened up more. Memories were returning. Spit. He remembered trying to spit the mud out of his mouth. He realized that he was tangled together with two or three other men. They had all fallen into the pit together. He saw the other men's wounds. Torn flesh, blood, bone... He knew that he had been wounded himself, but he wasn't exactly sure where. He wondered why he couldn't feel his wounds. He felt the others pressed against him, either writhing in pain or in an attempt to free themselves. He felt his weapon, on which he had fallen awkwardly, digging into his side. He wrestled to extract himself from the pile. It was then that he realized he had no strength in his left arm, and he became aware of the tremendous pain down his left side. Mother, how will father cope without his leg? The younger children down for the night, Nancy Ann joined her mother by the lamp in the main room. Your father will cope just fine. We will help him. Harriet had opened her husband's Bible to the Psalms by the lamplight. Father loves the Psalms, Nancy Ann nodded toward the book. I loved the sight of him reading early in the morning. We'll soon cherish that sight again, Harriet assured pulling her daughter towards her in an embrace. My dear, I need to tell you something. Parson Wentworth shared a bit of bad news with me today. Nancy Ann sat up, concern ran across her face. Harriet, for her part, could not hide her emotion. 
Thomas Goad. No, mother, Nancy Ann cried. Young Thomas' affection for her appeared to have been mutual. I'm sorry, dear. The cause of this rebellion, who can fathom? Mother and daughter fell back into one another's arms and cried. After a few moments, Harriet turned the page in her husband's Bible and began, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This concludes episode 10 of Chronicles of War. I want to invite you to stop by my website, www.darrenmichaelshaw.com, where you can learn more about me, my writing, and this story. If you do stop by, I also want to invite you to post a comment or drop me an email. Let me know what you think. I'd love to make your acquaintance. As always, let me thank you for tuning in, whether you're downloading, streaming, or whether you've subscribed to the podcast, it's a great privilege for me to share this story with you. I'm looking forward to next week in episode 11. Until then, I'm Darren Michael Shaw. Blessings. <laughs>